Influential podcast dedicated to the profession of pharmacy with over 80,000 listeners worldwide. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. FactMI is a nonprofit collaboration of the pharmaceutical industry medical information leaders who recognize that credible information matters to you. We understand as innovators of medicine, we are driven to bring healthcare professionals transparent, evidence-based medical information consistent with our code of practice. We've created a consortium of medical information leaders who are dedicated to sharing clinical data on innovative medicines that other sources cannot provide. And we deliver customized, curated, comprehensive medical information through a central platform for healthcare professionals. At FactMI, we believe that our collaboration is a catalyst to elevate the practice of medical information. Welcome to the Pharma Collaboration for Transparent Medical Information, also known as FactMI, three-part podcast series. In our first episode, we discuss the story of FactMI. For our second episode, we will discuss the sources of medical information and how manufacturers play a role in providing scientifically accurate information to pharmacists and other healthcare providers. If you have not listened to our first episode, you can check it out through the link in the show notes. I'm Patrick Riley, CEO of Factomai, and I'll be the moderator for this podcast. The views expressed in this recording are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Factomai or the companies with which they are affiliated. The presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended as clinical, legal, or regulatory advice. The objectives of this podcast are to determine the sources of medical information most commonly utilized by healthcare professionals, highlight the efforts of the pharmaceutical industry to increase access to their medical information resources, and review Factomize enhanced search capability. Joining us today are Evelyn Hermes DeSantis, Director of Research and Publications at Factomize, and Professor Emerita at Rutgers University and John Jones, Director of Technology at FactMI. Welcome Evelyn and John, and thank you for sharing your expertise today. Thank you, Patrick. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Patrick. Okay, we're gonna begin with a quick definition of some terms that will be used in this podcast. So first, MedInfo will refer to medical information. HCP is healthcare professional or healthcare practitioner and SRD is scientific response document. Now that we've acclimated everyone to the lingo, let's get started. Evelyn, as a pharmacist and healthcare provider, what can you tell us about how often healthcare professionals search for medical information? Patrick, that's a great question, thank you. And to some degree, it depends upon the healthcare professional. Um, As a pharmacist um, and as a drug information specialist previously, I know that I searched for medical information several times a day um, in responding to the questions that we were getting or just being able to do my own daily practice. In a survey that we conducted at FactMI, we saw that 88% of healthcare professionals actually stated that they search either daily or several times per week 
for information. And that comes from a variety of resources. And over 50% stated that they went directly to the pharmaceutical company's website at least five times or up to five times in a 12-month period, while 15% used those sites at least on a monthly basis. So being able to find that information, that medical information that you really need to be able to you know, perform your clinical duties as a pharmacist and as a healthcare professional is something that's just part and parcel to the job. Um, making sure that you can get that information um, is so necessary. So that's encouraging um, and actually great news that we have so many healthcare professionals that are searching for medical information. Can you elaborate a little bit on how exactly they are searching for this information? Well, certainly. And I, I think, you know, some of the key points to think about when we think about how people are doing it is, you know, part of it being their devices. Um, and when we think about the devices, actually in a survey that the same survey I referenced above from FactMI, we see that almost 60% of uh, respondents, and this was out of a about a little over 500 uh, HCPs who responded to the survey. Over close to 60% were using either a desktop, a laptop, or a workstation. Well, slightly over a quarter were stating that they were utilizing a mobile device for their primary search engine. Well, that's interesting. And John, I got to play into this conversation because I just don't get that. I thought we were in the world of apps and that we would see a much higher number in terms of respondents that are searching through apps. Yeah, well, you know, fortunately uh, on our website, our fact of my website, where we have a lot of the same information that the uh, HCPs uh, go look for on the pharmaceutical websites, um, you know, we, we track, uh, you know, what's the access device, where they came from, a lot of different things. And what we're seeing in our kind of more of our real world data is that actually 60% of the users are using some type of a mobile device to come in to, uh, to, to look at our data in fact am I. So it's it's actually you know really changing the way that we we think because we we have primarily and a lot of other websites out there uh, design themselves to be accessed primarily in a uh, you know in a desktop setting or a laptop setting where you have you know, you know, more of a landscape type view, uh, a lot more uh, screen size to work with. And so now we're really focusing on, you know, how do we get that same information usable in a mobile setting? And, um, you know, some of the things too is usually when folks think about mobile, the immediate thing is, you know, we start to think of an app, right? All right so now I, I need an app. As soon as I go mobile, I need an app. But, you know, we're kind of going through uh, a little bit of app overload right now. People don't want to install like tons of apps on their phone. Um, deploying an app <clears throat> also has a lot of overhead to it because you have to have one compatible for iPhone and one compatible for Android and and you know possibly even other other operating systems out there. So maintaining an app with all that cross-platform uh, support is is difficult. So we're also starting to make websites um, much more mobile friendly. Uh, so that we can just have the same benefit that we have on, you know, if you build a website, it doesn't matter if you're looking at it from a, a Mac or a PC, it looks the same. Um, and it really depends on the browser. We want to kind of bring that same thing to the phone and with, with, you know, newer formats like HTML5 and some of the more sophisticated rich media we can use, 
we can really achieve that app kind of feel without having to actually build an app. We can get to that richness of experience with a very well-designed website. But we have to recognize now that, you know, what we're seeing is a predominant user base coming, you know, more than half coming in using <clears throat> mobile devices to come to us. So it is starting to say, wow, how do I now present this content in a much smaller area, um, you know, and still give them what they need? So that's 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 kind of where where we're shifting right now. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I think that um, I could agree with you. I think all of us are a little apt out. But um, I, but I also would like to know, you know, from a fact of my perspective in terms of our website, how are people others? How are they getting to information? Because I know that there's a lot of data that shows that they're not going to pharmaceutical websites. But, you know, for us, that's a that's a big deal, obviously, in terms of their draw. What, how else are they searching for medical information? Well, I, I could start with that one. So, you know, basically what we see is uh, a lot of uh, HCPs are using, you know, the tried and true search engines like, you know, Google or Yahoo. They're being used very, uh, you know, very heavily, um, you know. Uh, and then, you know, they will also go to, you know, very popular specific, you know, medication websites or applications, things like a you know, a drugs.com or something like that, where they, you know, they, they know that they're be able to search across a lot of different uh, products or search the whole internet at the same, at the same time. Um, that's, that's really, you know, their real go-to to try to get information, but, you know, it's not always the most accurate uh, information that they can go to. They can, you know, places like Factomai and, and, you know, pharmaceutical websites, they really have the authoritative uh, information, but not always as easy to navigate and uh, have to have very specific needs to go there. So the, the popular ones are kind of just the popular ones that are popular for searching anything. Yeah, Evelyn, you've got to have a point of view on this one <laughs> as a healthcare provider. Uh, I know you've gone a lot of different sources for medical information. What do you have to say? Well, you know, I think it is, it, as John said, people are gonna to go to where things are easy to use and are fast to find the information. And that's really what people are looking for. So, you know, um, when we did that survey of the 500 HCPs and asked them where they were going and, and kind of the why, um, the good news is, is that, you know, the number one was looking at those specific medication website apps, you know, the, the, the big names that everybody thinks about that kind of encompasses all of them. And then next was the general online search. And so, yeah, the people were going to Google or Yahoo, um, I mean, again, looking there as to where those sites were sending them, because, you know, as a healthcare provider, and I was glad to see, you know, something like a Wikipedia was not very high on the list and was actually like one of the lowest things used, which, you know, as a drug information specialist, I was extremely happy to see that. Um, but yeah, you know, you go to a Google well, it's not so much that Google has the answer, it's pointing you somewhere. So you have more clicks to take. Um, and I, I really think that's where, you know, it gets really interesting to see, well, where are people going? And if we can dig into that even at some point even more to say, well, okay, you, you went to Google, but where did Google send you? Um, and then when we look at that list of the top three places they go, third on that list was the medical literature databases. So, you know, your PubMeds, Embases, which are great because, again, they're going to definitely provide you with, 
you know, credible information. Um, it might be a little bit harder to find the information in there um, because of how you have to search um, and then having to digest that and analyze what that kind of that raw data looks like. I think that that's where more of the specialists would go into those literature databases. But that really brings up the question of, you know, how are people searching, you know, what physically, how are they searching in terms of, you know, the words that they're typing into the computer? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that comes really as a question because, you know, can you just do, you know, the Google type search, or do you need to know the specific keywords that, you know, different databases are utilizing? Yeah, it's uh, interesting you bring that up because in my previous life, when I was heading up a medical information organization course, you know, we had to set up um, a keyword search. Um, we couldn't use Google search. And John, uh, from a technology standpoint, can you talk to us a little bit about that in terms of some of the challenges of uh, that we face as an industry as it relates to search? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and just to kind of define some terms uh, when we say keywords versus full text, whenever anybody is typing into, into a Google or a search engine, you're, you're typing in words, you know, small amount of words to kind of try to find what you're looking for. But on the back end of it, um, you know, a lot of the way that Google's work and the Yahoo's work is what they've built is they've taken the full text of the content and build a index around that so that they're matching those words you're typing in to that content and trying to establish a relevance between the two. Um, and the, the problem with that in some cases where you're very highly regulated, like in the pharmaceutical medical information world is, um, you know, you don't really, you can't really specifically control the results that come back. You can assign probabilities to the results that come back, but you can't, you know, uh, hard code it necessarily to say that, you know, these words will bring back this document. So to deal with that, um, especially for off-label information, a lot of pharmaceutical companies have gone to uh, keyword searching, which actually does link the words even on the back end and almost in some case, you know, pretty much ignores the content of the documents and links the words together so that we can actually specifically control what comes back. So while we're very legally um, uh, in line and very legally compliant to the regulations around, uh, you know, not providing content that hasn't explicitly be asked, been asked for, we provide a pretty terrible user experience at the same time. So we have to really, you know, carefully bring full text indexing into our world so that we can achieve the, the user experience, but be also very careful that we don't, um, you know, start putting content out that doesn't, uh, wasn't specifically asked for. So a very fine line that we have to walk, but we are definitely needing to push the envelope and, um, you know, we can't just be happy with the keyword approach. We have to, we, we do have to move to the full text approach. And I think, John, that's so interesting um, because in teaching medical literature searching for so many years, learning like the MeSH terms and the National Library of Medicine Index Medicus was second nature to me. But as I was trying to teach that to students, trying to get them to understand, you know, yeah, you're not going to call it high blood pressure, but hypertension. And if it's not hypertension, it's not going to show up. Um, it was really interesting. And there are definitely words that we use. And I had multiple examples of this. Um, and even when I've tried to search for different information, I know what the word is. 
and I'm using the right technical term, but it doesn't necessarily match what the legal technical term is. And as you said, a lot of frustration that can come through on that part. Yeah, John, I, I know you've referred to it as the anti-search in the past, and it, it is frustrating in terms of trying to come up with the best experience for the end user and still stay, you know, within the guidelines. Yeah, we we need to be, like uh, when we go with the keyword approach, like like Evelyn said, we we need to become masters of massive synonym lists, <laughs> and uh, it it becomes unwieldy, and 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 there's really we get to a, a limit, a ceiling very quickly on what kind of an experience we can provide. So it's, it's, it's definitely difficult. I mean, it's clearly, it's, it's, it's clearly a challenge. Um, I know that it's changed a lot since I was in that space working years ago, but at the same time, there's, there's still some challenges with this. And I'm just curious, Evelyn, maybe from your point of view, how are pharma companies working to increase access to medical information content? Well, I think, you know, when you look at that access and accessibility truly is an issue for people. Um, it's one of it's creating awareness, um, but it's also looking at how are you going to get the information into the hands of the people who, who need it and kind of when they need it. So having that, you know, website that's available. And that's probably where a lot of people are going to go. You know, I've got a question about drug X. I'm going to type in drugx.com and chances are I'm going to get to the product website and, and at least get some of the labeled information and the marketing information. Um, utilizing the sales representatives, the information that they're leaving at pharmacies or leaving within you know, the offices is also great. But I think being able to go beyond that into that, that realm of what medical information can truly provide for, from the medical information departments, I think those MedInfo websites are extremely important. The call centers for MedInfo are equally important. Um, in some of the research we've seen, pharmacists specifically like to call even more than they like to search, although that is a few years old now in that data. But from most of the people we've talked to and I've talked to, we'd much rather pick up the phone, especially if we've tried to search the medical information website ourselves and we can't find exactly what we're looking for. Instead of submitting the question on the website, it's easier for us just to pick up a phone and make that phone call. But then you also have MSLs who are able to deliver some of that information as well. And the one thing to keep in mind with the MSLs, they don't necessarily see everybody. So while that can improve some accessibility and access to the information, there is some limits to that as well. Um, but then there are some of those more innovative sources like the live chats. And again, I think there we see that with some of the websites, um, but I'm not really sure how much that is you know, really getting an uptake from people. So I think, again, it's interesting, you know, we talk about this omni-channel experience and um, this has come up on several occasions as we think about um, having multiple ways that people can get to the information. It's not one or the other, it's, it's an and. Um, people have their preferences for whether it's gonna be live or whether they're gonna do it um, on their own. And uh, John, I know that there's been some really interesting research that you've been involved in. And I'm just wondering if you could share again, some information about newer formats and sources of information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so, you know, in, in, in the survey that we, we referenced earlier in the uh, discussion, we also asked uh, some questions about, um, you know, different kinds of content and uh, different, not like kinds, but different formats for content consumption, infographics, um, you know, the traditional uh, word slash PDF format. Um, we tested out web, web versions of those Word documents and also, uh, you know, PowerPoints. Um, we asked questions about chatbots and other self-service tools, even asked some questions about video format and things like that. And um, what we found is it's kind of like what you just said, Patrick, it is a, it's an, and it really is an omni-channel strategy where we didn't see some content sources, uh, you know, replace others. We just saw preferences in certain circumstances or by certain people for all the different types of formats like and there wasn't necessarily a rhyme or reason to it we didn't say you know this type of nhcp really wants this you know a traditional srd and this one wants a nav you know, navigable srd we really just saw that no matter how we sliced the data um you know really across whatever whatever variable we had um we didn't see any kind of a preference towards one type of a con one type of format of content or another and we didn't see that there was any drop off in that you know one type wasn't preferred at all so, um, you know, it really kind of shows us that we, we need to be supporting all of these content format types and all these different channels we have at our disposal. Now, the other thing that we need to do, though, is we need to focus on the technology we can use to deliver all these kinds of content without having to um, set up many, many different teams or, you know, uh, groups of people that produce these, all these different content on these different channels. We have to be efficient in the way we author the content so that it can be used in this omni-channel strategy. And um, you know, one interesting thing we found from the survey that by far the most preferred format, and, and this is from the survey um, we took, was a web-based navigation-friendly piece of content that was basically the same content that was in the traditional, you know, word-based, PDF-based document format that we present SRDs in today. Um, but with just some, some basic web navigation and just adding that web navigation spiked the preference, um, to, you know, far and away, you know, uh, over 50% of every type of HCP preferred that navigable format to pretty much anything else we tested. So, fascinating. Fascinating. yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny, Evelyn, I know you, you have a comment on this because we've talked about this in the past that the, the more things change, the, the more they stay the same. And again, John, you said it's the and sort of philosophy to the approach of this. Um, any thoughts in terms of this data that John shared with us? I think that's great. The navigable SRD format is exactly what we need right now, because as a pharmacist, you're so busy and really all healthcare professionals um, in this day and age are just so busy and being able to have that navigable SRD where with one click, you can get to the part of the document that answers your question um, is really going to be so useful because what we've seen time and time again with our preferences is that the ease of use and the quickness of finding the information are really why different um, options are preferred. So this is, it just makes sense to have that. So you're not scrolling through pages of a document to find the information. So I would agree that navigable SRD, it gives that information. And if you need more of it, 
it's there as well. So if you need to get into, into the weeds, into finding out about more about the clinical trial that was being referenced itself, the information is there, but you can also get that high level. Here's my, here's the answer that I'm looking for. Yeah, that's, well, that's great. I mean, that's really encouraging. I, I think that, you know, trying to break down this age old issue around the, the length of these SRDs and the ability to navigate them in an easy way, I think we're making some great progress or so it seems. Uh, I think the other thing I wanted to hear more about, John, is the work that we're doing, in fact, am I, in terms of creating a search engine, what we call an enhanced uh, API. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So at fact, am I, um, you know, and we've, we've done some work already, but definitely looking to do more. So what we've, what we've accomplished so far is we've built a full text search engine, just going back to what we talked about before that um, allows um, HCPs to come and search across um, all of the labels uh, that are available in the, in the U S and also search across um, our members' scientific response documents. So we ingest those and bring those into our search engine. And um, we are continuously onboarding our members' content. Uh, we've, we've onboarded a, a huge amount of content already. And there's a, a lot of um, you know, the same scientific response documents that are available at our member websites are now available at FactMI, and there's a single place for that. And that's what we were trying to accomplish. Um, now where we're taking things, is we are now looking to say, okay, what, um, where is the right place to inject that content? Where are other places that, um, you know, partnerships we can form with, uh, you know, more point of access? Where are healthcare professionals looking for that information or needing that information in the normal day-to-day -day activity? And can we put that into EMRs? Can we put it into decision support tools? Can we put it on other, uh, you know, there's other websites that, that Evelyn mentioned before. Um, you know, and can we partner with those organizations? And we've, we've built the technology to be injectable like that. It is not just a website, but it's a, uh, it's a, a backend content repository that um, we can use to partner and surface content really anywhere. And um, what we're also doing, another initiative we have is we're working with um, a couple of our members right now on a very early uh, stage initiative where we are converting Word documents to those navigable documents. Um, so the documents we tested and had that huge preference in our survey, we are now seeing, can we easily convert those Word documents without our members having to put a lot of effort, other effort in to do that? And that testing is underway. So we've, we've done a lot of uh, interesting things around centralizing the content and trying to pro provide a single point of access, but now we're trying to get that single point of access into more useful places and also get the content in the formats that are most easily consumed. That's outstanding. Really, really good news, I think, for pharma companies and, and for healthcare providers that are seeking this information. Listen, guys, we need to wrap it up. Um, I just wanted to um, recognize the fact that we have identified that healthcare providers are indeed looking for information. I think we've heard a lot from John and Evelyn in terms of the challenges that pharma companies are dealing with in terms of providing that information easily accessible and really relevant to the questions that healthcare providers are asking. There is ongoing work, ongoing research um, from a technology standpoint that companies are in collaboration with FactMI seeking new ways, new innovative ways to 
provide that information in various formats in an omni-channel world that we live in. So I think all in all, it's, it's great news for healthcare professionals that they'll be easily accessing this information in the future. I wanna thank Evelyn and John. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys today. This has been the second podcast in our three-part series. The next podcast will discuss enhancing patient care, value of pharmaceutical medical information services. If you wanna learn more about Factomai, please visit www.factomai.org. <music>